Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I am safe as I flow with life. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we've got a cool topic today, control and perfectionism. I mean, we started out, we wanted to talk about just control, and we also just wanted to talk about perfectionism, but we realised that they go very well hand in hand, so we are going to do a mash-up here. Um, and as Jane and I were just sort of brainstorming before the show, there's actually, as as with a lot of our topics, so many other juicy emotional and psychological components that come into anyone who exhibits these behaviours, so we can't talk about this without talking about self-worth and talking about anxiety and talking about a few other things. So I think there's going to be something in today's topic for everyone. That's my point. We're hoping. We're hoping. So I have got an email here, um, which first made me think about control. I'll just read you what she wrote. She said, hello, ladies. I've been listening to your podcast for about one and a half years now. I wondered if you might be able to do a podcast on controlling behavior and how to deal with it. I recently ended a long-term relationship, which I felt to be quite controlling. I feel I am a strong woman, but continue to be controlled by this person who is refusing to accept the relationship has ended, etc., etc." Now, she wanted. To, she ends off her email by saying any advice on how to deal with controlling people would be much appreciated. I think we can touch on that, but I think more so, Jane, and I want to use control today to really look at how and where we set our own rigidities, fear of failure, control, perfectionism, all that kind of stuff, and how it ultimately relates to our self-worth. Beautiful. Um, control, I was fascinated to realise about, I think it's probably about eight or nine years ago, that I was controlling. And I, it came as a huge shock to me. I, I would have sworn black and blue that I was not controlling. Now, anybody that knows me might, might find that hysterical. However, I was controlling. And when I realized how exhaustive it is, and I was able to start to let go, oh my God, it was so freeing. And it set me up for so much more peace in my life. Can I clarify just yeah. right there though, right, Jane? Because people are so complex. You can be con- really controlling in one area, but totally, totally loose in another. For example, like, yes. like some people are control freaks in their houses, like OCD, everything's got to be in place, right? Other That's people, the perfectionism. We'll get to that in a minute. And then other people might try and control people around them or their husband or their family members or, or like there's that kind of control. I was trying to control my life and everybody in it. So you were trying to control behaviour and how it, how it was yes, acting, how acting everybody around. Everybody had to be. Yeah. Yeah. But not just that, I was I was in charge of everything to do with the children and I was in charge with scheduling of everything in our household and I was in charge of every I was micromanaging my business. Did you have and a- the people I worked with it? And it wasn't until I had a massive fight, a huge fight, with my partner, my business partner, that I realized how controlling I'd been of her and the business. Was your mother controlling growing up? Or yes. Did, so did you think this was a learned behaviour? Yes. Yeah. Because we do see it role modelled often. Um, or I think the flip side of that is what I see in my clients sometimes. If Ignore the truck that's backing in behind our car here. Uh, our high-tech sound recording studio of Jane's car. Well, my office has got 
music going on in the room next door, <laughs> so, we're so we're here. We're back, we're back, in, back in, the in the car. It's all good. Um, what I often see in my clients is when they've had a really erratic childhood where, you know, often one parent was an addict or things were happening, lots of change in and out, really disruptive things happened a lot in childhood where you could never tell what was going to happen next according to changing schools or moving all the time or mum or dad, unpredictable behaviour or different partners coming in and out the door. Those kids often grow up as adults who end up being control freaks because they really need to control their environment to minimise old school anxiety and panic triggers which still come up. And to that end, a close friend of mine who had that exact childhood I described, um, and interestingly, like she had a very erratic childhood as the child of an addict, but the addict was also OCD. So it was complete and utter erratic, inconsistent behaviour as well as high control Oh, at, at the that's same tough. time, right? That's really so tough. My girlfriend grew up to because that's unpredictable control. Really toxic stuff. So my girlfriend grew up to master a number of ways in which she could control her environment so she felt very safe as an adult, right? But as with all of these false power and false control things in life, they do eventually catch up with you. Or a time comes when the universe presents you with something that you cannot control to test you. And in her situation, you know, if she never liked a situation in life, she'd just get up and walk out or run out. She'd literally run from stuff. She'd block, she'd deflect, she'd duck, she'd weave. She'd never be anywhere that made her feel like, I don't want to be here. What happened when she had her first child? Well, she learned you can't run if you don't want to be there or it's too hard. The going gets tough. What happened? Massive postnatal. And I think postnatal depression is, is very linked to this topic because what happens when a control freak gets a baby? Babies cannot be controlled. Kids can't be controlled. It's a losing battle. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Very confronting. Wow, there's so many areas I can go on from here. Mm. So where to? All right, I want to go to... Actually, I'm going to go back to the listener's email. Yeah. Because if you are attracting people into your life with control, the chances are you actually do... You likely have control issues yourself. Now, what do you mean attracting people into your life? You mean that they have control issues or that you're... So this this particular lady has had a relationship with a partner who was very controlling. Yes. Okay. But I'm going to say that she probably has some issues around control herself. But you started by saying it's in different areas of your life. Mm -hmm. I've got so many areas of my life I'm free-flowing, but I was not in my business. And that was something I really had to look at. So it's the mirror being held up of, you know, where is it that you're, you're too controlling? Where are you holding on to life too tightly? Where is your fear so that you feel that you have to manage that? Um, and so for me, it started with the business. And, uh, and then, of course, I, I decided, because I'm into self-development, look at my whole life at where else was it playing out. And it was playing out in my family life as well. Now, I actually found it really easy to let go. It was like I'd had a noose around my neck and it was so good to take it off. It was heavy. It was like carrying the burden. But how I was you... carrying a burden that only I thought I had to carry. How did you shake off something so massive, which had obviously been in place for some long time, years of programming and, and you know, con repeated behaviour, etc. How did you manage to dismantle it? Because I was so tired of carrying the responsibility. You just hit rock bottom. That I had, I had self-imposed on me. Hmm. That was the thing. Nobody told me I had to be responsible for the whole world, but somehow I thought I was. Hmm. And so as so it was very easy to let go of that. 
because it was exhausting. It's burnout. I mean, control freaks, you can't, obviously, even control freaks would agree with this, you can't control the world or the universe or other people. And yet that's what they, they're constantly fighting this losing battle. And what suffers? Their relationships, their health, their time and connectedness with their family members, their children, their nearest and dearest, because they're putting so much energy into constantly trying to control things that can't be controlled. It's like trying to change the wind all day, every day, all the time. It's like having an eating disorder. It is an eating disorder because they're all about control. It's being so obsessed and consumed with the absence of something or shutting down something or trying to control something that it totally begins to destruct and implode a lot of other areas of your life. I think that I didn't, I didn't see this coming and because I didn't think I was that way, but when it was pointed out to me, it wasn't so much my behaviour of as a controlling person that was the issue. It was really me going... I actually don't want this responsibility. And that's what the original disagreement was about. Mm. So looking at where we've self-imposed things on us. Yes. So it was so easy to let go. It didn't require healing. It didn't. All it required was conscious awareness of the patterns that I had fallen into because I'd been that way my whole life. So I don't think we can talk about control without talking about the word safe because the reason people control, even children you know, who've been through trauma will do this. They'll have their little routines. Football players will have their lucky underpants. It's, <laughs> it's the things that we do, even little superstitions or like just check the door twice or all the little things that I'm, only wear those shoes on Thursdays or whatever it is. We have all these strange little constructs and parameters and rigidities that we trot out often in everyday life. And if we ever actually stop to question it, which so much of us, so many of us don't because we're all on autopilot. But if you ever do stop to actually question, why am I doing that? Or why did I just actually do that? You'll probably find it's because it's making you feel safe. So the next question then is, well, what on earth am I running from or scared of? What is the horror that I don't want to feel? And that, I can guarantee you, is going to take you back to some former mark on the calendar sometime in childhood or somewhere where something has happened that felt, but um, out of your control. Something happened to you, usually by some, somebody else or a circumstance. You know, it could be an avalanche or a tsunami. But most likely, it was somebody near to you in your family who did something unforeseen that was a shocking blow. And... We, we just sort of take those blows. We sort of recover for them, from them and fumble around in, in the meantime, but we push them very deep down in our bodies. We do not adequately process them or deeply understand, for, especially from a higher spiritual level, how maybe, maybe that thing that happened had nothing to do with you. Yeah, you might have been right in the middle of it, but maybe it had nothing to do with you. And the minute you start to release yourself from these old pains and traumas, you can begin to relax more in your adult life, that the world's not going to constantly come rushing in and rattling the cage on you. I would also move, not from control, but add to control the word perfectionism. Because I also feel that our society, Western society, sets up children to move into young adults to have perfectionism, which requires control. And so I see it's starting with the education system where must get straight A's, must do this assignment on time. It's very rigid and links in so easily to being the teacher being the first, likely for most children, is the first authoritative figure outside of the family unit that they are to respect and please. 
and do as they are told. And so through the education system, very early it's modelled that you must do what you are told and you must do it to this standard and rewarded for perfectionism. Perfectionism will get you an A and not perfect it will get, what is it, a U or an E? I don't even know what they do, but whatever the low mark is. Um, And so those people who are, which is the majority of young children that are seeking validation of their worth at a very young age for the first time external to the family unit are seeking approval of that teacher. So therefore, they start striving for the perfect homework. They come home the first day from school and they've got an apple drawing that they've got to colour in and stay inside the lines. Mm -hmm. And there it starts. Now, perfectionism is a fear of failure. Make no mistakes about it. I have heard over the years so many people say, oh, yes, but I'm a perfectionist. And it's, it's claimed as though it's a prize. It's a, it's a tool that it's an amazing gift to have. Like it's a status symbol. It thing. is a status. Oh, yes, a that's the word. Like with Jane's dating agency where people will say things like, oh, uh, you, you'll have trouble matching me up. I'm very picky. I've got very high standards. It's that whole, I'm a perfectionist. Like it's a good thing. Yes, that's right. And it's, and I'm here to say, if that's you, it's not a good thing. It is a complete 100% fear of failure. And I don't care whether it's the person that, you know, I know a lady that I could go into her home. Our children over the years have, have, you know, had sports at seven o'clock in the morning or dropping them home at 11 o'clock at night or weekend tournaments. I could go to her house at any time of the day, at any day of the week, and it could be shot for Home and Gardens or whatever, one of those glossy magazines. Vogue Living. Now, I've always had a bit of envy of that because it's so beautiful to walk in on. It's amazing. Except, actually, I'd mess it up a little bit. Um, And I've often joked and said, I need a bit of that. I need a bit of OCD. But the reality is, it's a fear of what will other people think. It's a fear of being out out of control of life. It's a rigidity. It is a... I have to control everything, including the way the pegs are put on the clothesline. Do you know, last week I talked about the koala whisperer who lives up in the Adelaide Hills near me. So last time I visited her in the house next door, there is the ultimate control freak perfectionist. He was out at the crack o dawn, literally with the fingernail clippers manicuring that lawn. He does, he has a full-time gardener to look after this very small patch of garden, which is almost like a Louis the Fourteenth topiary bloody, you know, like a work of God out there in the backyard. He's got the hedge that is squared off so sharp you could butter a slice of bread on it. Like it's just like a knife's edge crease down the side of this hedge and he's literally clipping little tight. Anyway, I'm looking at this guy out there working so feverishly on his fucking perfect hedge because who's going to even look at it and what standard are they going to judge him by if one leaf is out of place? This man's got three children, you know, and my, my girlfriend was just saying, you know, those poor children, they live such a controlled, suffocated, stifled life by this man. And I just look at that man and I think, what has happened to you? This, I mean, this is a disorder. When you have perfectionism that goes to that level, you want to look at your dancers, your gymnasts, your ballet girls, your anorexias, those. When you have perfectionism, Jane's going to sneeze. I'm trying not to. <laughs> you can if you need to. We're all live here. Um, when you have perfectionism that reaches that level of actual illness, like it actually becomes a sickness... Bless you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Excuse me. And Gesundheit. You know what? It is spring and there's a lot of pollen. Oh. Um, yeah, I just think that 
perfectionism, like anything, is on a scale. And there's some people who just have a few things that they get hung up about. There's other people who've reached the point where every part of their world is so tightly controlled They've literally become a psychology textbook, like, archetype, like, cut out, haven't they? Perfectionism can be a beautiful thing. It can be in the most perfect, beautiful piece of artwork. It can be a a labour of love. And maybe it is the hedge, but is it in other areas of your life? And most people I know that have perfectionism, it's in every area of their life, and it goes hand in hand with the control. But I do think that there's also the, I aspire to do something perfectly. Mm. However, I'm, I'm okay if I don't. You know, it's checking in with where's, what's your intent in this? Where are you, where are you sitting at with this? And uh, I feel really strongly that we need to be looking at, particularly with our young children, you know, our, our teenage children, we need to be teaching them about how to fail. Yes. Because they don't know and they are pulling out of things. Like I watch in sport, I watch the child who goes off to play a tournament and doesn't do as well as they expected themselves to do. And then I watch the injury come. So in their mind, it wasn't my fault. I've got an injury or an illness. And then I watch the, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to keep doing this. And then I watch them pull out because they have the fear of what will people think if I'm not good at something mm. that I used to be good at or I wanted to be good at or I gave a lot of lip service to. And it happened in dance for years when it gets to the pointy end of the stick, people would rather pull out than have the perception of failure. And I think that's a real shame because some of those people will go on and succeed to whatever level they're wanting to if they just don't rule themselves out mm. first. So we must teach people how to fail and that it is okay. Refer back to our podcast on how to fail, where Beck and I talk about there is no such thing as yeah. failure. And for those of you who aren't a control freak or a perfectionist, but definitely have one or two or more in your life, Look, we'd, lo- we'd love to be able to give you some tools and tips here. You're never going to win with a control freak or a perfectionist because their need, it's almost like an addiction, right? Their addiction to controlling that thing or their world or their need to be perfect and not be seen as lesser than will always come first. It will come before you. It will come before any sort of normal needs and wants or or sort of normal interaction in a relationship, they will stop at nothing to feed their addiction, if you know what I mean. So it's a losing battle. You're not going to be able to change them. You can absolutely open up discussions with them if you think that they're willing or ready to start going deeper, start analysing some of their private demons. Well, they may. They may like I did, you know, where my, my beautiful business partner at the time had the guts to say, you're so controlling. Thank goodness she said that. If, if they're ready for the intervention... I was ready, yeah. Go for it. If, if they're not, this is about you guys tightening up your own boundary lines and your own energy game. And it goes back to that basic platitude of where are you willing to put your energy and where are you not willing to put it and where, in crossing that line and spending too much time with that person, are you actually being somewhat abused by them or controlled by them or put down by them or you know for example I've got a perfectionist friend and she always makes me not not always every now and then because she's a beautiful person but every now and then if she's in an off mood or she's feeling a bit insecure about something 
she'll have a problem with my outfit. She'll lean over in the restaurant and, and, and you know, fix my top or my earring or my hair. Or she'll, she'll, she'll say, let's go in my car because she doesn't want to be seen driving driving in my car. Like, she wants to go in her car. Like Beck and I don't care about our cars. Jesus, Jane. Oh, well, we love them, but we don't. We don't we care. We appreciate them, but we don't. don't care at all. And so it's interesting how, you know, other people's behaviours can really start to suffocate you. In, in the case of the parent with the, the man I was talking about with the, with the perfect hedge, if his hedge is that perfect, just imagine what he respects he expects from his children's report cards just imagine how he expects his good little wife to behave just imagine how he how he wants his family to be seen by the outside world when they're in public for example or what they're wearing to that concert or all of those little things so listen if you are around somebody who's a perfectionist or a control freak then the lesson for you is in self-preservation it's in listening to your inner voice and honoring boundaries as being not afraid to claim back where you need certain um just certain tightening up of your own energy space where things are not okay by you and calling them out when their behaviours overstep the line and affect you. Beautifully said, Beck. If you're in a partnership with somebody who's um, a perfectionist, negotiate. So, for example, there might be an area that they are absolute must be perfect about and you really could not care less. Let them do it. However, you also don't want to antagonise them. So, you know, they, they don't want to ever see dirty clothes or wet towels or anything on the floor. That's their thing. Don't antagonise them by leaving everything on the floor. But let them be the ones to monitor it all with the children. But don't you go throwing your towels and, and clothes on the floor to antagonise it. You can find that you can negotiate. There will be areas in my business partnership, there were areas that other people were perfectionists about. And that's where I would say, well... I actually really don't care about that. But if you want to do that, you do it. Yeah. You know, not my problem. But if you want it, if it's important to you, you do it. And I will support that. I won't undermine that. And that's what we've got to watch is that sometimes in partnerships, perfectionism will be, as Beck said, right at the very beginning in certain areas. And so when you can identify the areas, you then have the conversation about what do we both jointly care about, what can be, what's unrealistic and can be let go of, and what is it that I just need to respect that that's important to them. I don't see why, I don't understand why, but I love them and I respect that in them and I won't undermine them. Absolutely. So I hope that today we've been giving you some, some useful tools and tricks for this. And again, I think that everybody in life probably does have a little bit of a streak in this in them, don't they, Jane? Well, I think there's an area that you're going to be controlling. There will be an area you'll be perfectionism. It's that 80-20 rule, you know, if it's 20% of your time, great, go around, float, be happy. Mm. But if it's 80%, then maybe have a look at it. And just that reminder that, again, the reason why we put control and perfectionism together is because they share a couple of triggers. One is that idea that you're not actually feeling safe deep down. And people might say, but what does that mean? I mean, you know, I'm not talking about being hit in the head. I'm talking about emotional safety. You know, I'm really talking about people might feel like something unpredictable or or unwanted will occur, which will rock their boat too hard and they won't be able to handle it. So for example, unless I control this, perfect that, da, 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 da. 
I'm going to get a really strong bad reaction from my father or from my husband or from the person at the uni degree that I'm trying to ace or whatever it is. And if that person does react that way, it's, I know what it's going to do because I've felt this emotion before. It's going to catapult me into this horrible dark night of the soul where I have this really awful, nasty, heavy, yucky emotion, which I used to feel as a kid or I used to feel when my father used to talk to me. I've felt once before in a horrible argument with my husband and I don't want to feel that again. So I'll do anything to try and block it and stop it from happening again. Now, what of course you need to realize is two things. The first one is self-worth, self-worth, self-worth. The second one is maybe it's time as an adult that you not only raise your self-worth a bit higher to know that you are good enough without needing to prove it, control things or perfect things, but secondly, that it's probably time that you develop some serious practical tools and solutions for handling when shit does hit the fan, because guess what? It always will. And you can't control an unpredictable personality and you can't control the future. And that is what anxiety is. It's fear of the future, panic, all of those kinds of panic attacks and the, you know, nervous energy. It's all about what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next and if, whether I'll be strong enough to be able to handle it. Well, guess what? Maybe in childhood you weren't, but now as an adult you are. And you really need to talk yourself away from the edge, like they say with suicide jumpers and stuff. You need to bring in that calm, reasoned voice that really reminds you, just remember, you're intelligent, you're high-functioning, you're an adult, you've got support systems, you've got people you can call, you've got podcasts you can listen to, you've got things now that maybe you didn't have at 7 or at 13 or even 22, you've got them now. What is the worst that can happen? Probably, what well, bad things can happen, but what's the worst that can happen to you? Probably not a lot, because you're going to be so much stronger and more consciously aware this time around that it will be a totally different experience for you, even if some yucky stuff does come back up. I also want to bring up the four agreements, a beautiful book that uh, we've talked about in several podcasts. The fourth agreement in the four agreements is to do your best. Now, most people don't have an issue with that. However, it's a lesson for, it's a lesson for the person that is controlling or the person that, and or perfectionism to really take on board because where this gift is to free you is that to acknowledge that your best is different every single time in every single situation. It is never the same. So we are always doing our best. However, you need to allow that, that barometer of what your best is to be fluid. You know, you're not going to get the perfect house, the perfect score, the perfect whatever when you're not well. You're not going to get the perfect score when you have a lot of time restrictions. You're not going to get the perfect score when you're in a heightened emotional state. You need to be kind to yourself and recognize that your best is different at different points with different situations. I love that. And I also love this idea that remember guys, we also just need to point blank explode this concept of better than and hierarchy and what culturally, collectively in our society, we hold as these supposed values of achievement or what a good woman is or what a nice house looks like or what a well-behaved child is or any of these concepts which just don't they're just old, outdated, outmoded, 1950s or even Victorian or even older than that religious concepts which we've carried for such a long time which really 
probably the only people that you're still trying to impress is some old octogenarian father or grandfather <laughs> that you don't want to get kicked out of the will, right? And they, they're carrying this ancient old programming from eight decades ago. So just get a bit of a, an upgrade with who you're really trying to please. And remember, in this spiritual day and age, there are no rules. I am safe as I flow with life. And you are all safe in our podcast show. As always, we are here with you every single week to talk about your topic. So remember that you can message us at any time if you have a, a subject matter idea that you'd love us to explore on the show. And you can do that via Facebook. Yes, which is facebook.com forward slash show, Or just go to our website, lovelifeshow.com. Of course, we are also on iTunes. And if you are feeling like you're in a really benevolent mood when you wake up in the morning, just drop us a review on iTunes. We would love you for that because that... Oh, I like getting the reviews. It helps to spread the ripple effect further and it helps to bring more people on board so they can find the good stuff contained herein as well so that, you know, everyone can start to change their lives together. So until this time next week, have a little bit of fun identifying where you might be a bit OTT in the old control or perfectionism stakes and better managing yourself and those around you. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.